are we recording this stuff? Uh, we really should be. Yeah, yeah, this is good banter. <laughs> everyone, it's Molly, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, today I'm chatting with a van life Instagram sensation and my former collegiate cycling teammate, Adam Narrot. He is a paddler, a climber, and a cyclist who is so badass that his adventure van plates are actually warning people to stay rad. Uh, in this episode, we talk about how his love of outdoors brought him to his current gig as a videographer and photographer. Uh, that only chases the craziest and coolest adventures, and how he balances being competent at so many extreme sports. Uh, we also talk about his dad, who was a serious climber back in Poland, and he served as Adam's inspiration. So for me, the big takeaway here, especially because my dad is my inspiration for how I got into cycling, is that parents out there, remember that you are your kid's inspiration, and kids, remember that you remember that you remember that you remember that your parents than you. Um, I also really love how Adam talks about how mountain biking is actually not that different from paddling as far as skill sets go. Uh, so we've got all of that plus tons of other tips from philosophy to practical for those who are considering leaving the nine to five for a life of adventure in the road and in the van. Um, but also plenty of tips for the people that love the nine to five, have a few kids, have responsibilities at home and just want to maybe get out on a couple of different adventures over the course of the year or hopefully this summer. Uh, so yeah, let's climb into the van with Adam and get started. Thanks for tuning in. Oh, I like space. I like uh, just tiny living is, I don't know. It's like, it's like fine. I actually realized how small I can pack all my stuff down into, but like, I still got like all these big kayaks and bikes and stuff that I keep places. Like, so that's problematic. Yeah, I find that's the issue with the tiny living and van living is when mm -hmm. you have any hobby that necessitates any kind of gear. Like, you can trail run and yeah. live in a van. You can maybe be, like, two surfers and live in a van. Right. And even then, your surfboards might get stolen. Exactly. You have to cut them well, so that's the thing. So kayaking's not so bad because there's not that big of, like, an underground used kayak market or stolen kayak market. But, like, <laughs> bikes? No way, Jose. Like, like, okay, the Sprinter van, some of the Sprinter van setups are great when you have, the, like, the lofted bedding oh, at the yeah. bike garage. That's sweet. And that's, like, my one, like, I got, I'm, like, pretty in love with the setup that I figured out for this this whole thing, but, like, that would be awesome to have that bike garage on there. Yeah, but that would also be, like, 100 grand to get the Sprint Yeah, no, the Sprint Van is, like, way out of my price range. Yeah. So this fell in right in I was going to say, this is pretty sweet, though. And it actually, like, runs well and everything? Yeah, so so I guess we'll talk about the van. Yeah, I want to hear how you, you came up with, like, deciding to do this and how you picked the van. Sure, so I was, like, looking on Craigslist for maybe about, like, a month and a half, uh, just kind of, like, perusing all, like, used van listings. I knew I wanted a high top, uh, get a little bit of extra headroom, and uh, I guess the classic dirtbag van is the, the, the Astro van. Uh, so I went to go check out one of those. The price was right. The mileage was right. It was seven, uh, 70000 so still pretty good, um, but it was way too small. I was going to say, like, I feel like those look really great on Instagram. Like, yeah. those are the van you buy when you strictly just want to Instagram well, your life. There's, there's a, a long tradition of, of like, climbers and, and ski bums with the Chevy Astra van. But I mean, we have so many better options now. Well, yeah. So now there are now the Sprinter van is the is the the king of the van pyramid, um, but the Astro has uh, gas mileage going for it, and which is the big caveat of this van. Uh, so with an Astro, you're probably looking at like 18 miles per gallon. 
Uh, this guy, which is a 97 E350 Afford, uh, is 10 miles per gallon if I'm lucky. Oof. Yeah. Uh, okay, kayaks, that hurts. kayaks on the roof. Uh, winter when the gas gets like a little different. Uh. Oh my gosh! Yeah. yeah. So so that's that's the, the big drawback to this guy. But uh, I'm pretty psyched on it. Um, it's an old NYPD surveillance van. Nice. Which is is great because <laughs> the decals when they sold it at auction they had to peel the NYPD decals off, but they. Uh, the paint wore differently underneath it. So you could still see where it says NYPD and Detective Bureau on this side, uh, oh, which gives it a little bit of flair. And when I bought it, I had this, this big debate was of whether or not I was going to paint it or leave it kind of if it's like shitty white and rusty exterior. But I think it's a nice juxtaposition to the interior, especially since you get the little flair of the NYPD decals. Yeah, plus I think it just makes it a little like less inclined to want to break into it. Like, yeah. It's sort of a little under the radar. So there is the stealth aspect of the whole thing. Um, this parked in a neighborhood, not going to like send off any... Well, it's... You might be a kidnapper, but... it's it, Okay, it's definitely got the creepy guy brushing his teeth outside of his white van vibe. That's kind of hard to bypass, but... Um, the roof rack kind of gives it away. Yeah. It's got the roof rack with the solar panels on it. That's where I ha like got a little like deck set up up there for summer barbecues, uh, and, and keeping uh, bikes up there. So I don't I don't know if I, I gained too many points in the stealth category. Fair enough. Uh, speaking of the solar, have you been happy with that? I have been happy with it. You know, it it's more of a it keeps me my batteries topped off. Um, <laughs> but I'm using the the Renogy solar panels, which you just get on Amazon, so they're pretty available and easy. Um, and, uh, but, so yeah, so the way that the whole van is powered is it's got a battery in the back that's for all my electronics, my lights, my computer, my phone, and stuff like that, uh, and it's powered by solar on the roof, and it's connected to the car's engine, so when the engine is running, it's charging the battery. Oh, sweet. Um, so that's how I keep everything powered back here. Okay. How long did it take to do all of this great, like, wood panel setup and everything? Sure. Um... So from reading online, like, forums and, and, like, stuff about van dwelling and stuff, a lot of people were taking, like, five to six months to do their, like, van conversions. Uh, and I powered this one out in, in a month. I nice. bought it at the end of October and just through the month of November, like, did my hours at work and then just came home and just worked on the van for, like, 14 hours a day. Um, and thank God I have, like, neighbors who are, like, well, it's, I built it in my parents' driveway, and, and my, like, childhood neighbors are just used to my antics at this point. Okay. So <laughs> they, they didn't complain, not even yeah. a peep, when I was, like, hammering in nails at, like, He's three in the morning. Again. Yeah. Uh, so I got lucky with that. Nice. Now, is there anything that, if you were going back, like, Anything that you realized you needed that you didn't have when you first got it finished and, like, started living in it? Um, I was thinking about this question today. Conversely, was there anything that you realized you didn't need yeah. that you, like, went super, you know, hardcore on? Um, oh my god. The worst thing ever. I have these, uh, these drawers that pull out from underneath my bed. Mm -hmm. And I bought, like, the nicest, like, uh, sliding drawer, like mechanism things on the okay. side and they're just such garbage I really <laughs> they make my life living hell because they keep falling apart and I keep having to like unassemble the bed to like go in there and fix them oh. and I wish I just made it just like just friction it should just be like a block on the ground that you just pull in and out and then like lock with a deadbolt or something mm -hmm. but like those have been like nothing but hell yeah um what about like best like Best small purchase for the van. Best small purchase. Well, I got good answers for all these. I just got to think of them. <laughs> um, what do I 
I love all your like little shelves and stuff. Oh, it those are IKEA. So These little things. So cute. Yeah, they look perfect. They blend right in. They're four dollars at IKEA. Right. It's deluxe. I love it. Um, best small purchase. Best small purchase. Uh, also, what do you do for a mattress? Is it air mattress? Yeah, uh, mattress is an IKEA. Uh, foam mattress oh, that okay. I cut down the size. So the foam mattresses are super great because you can just trim them down. Yeah. Uh, no springs to deal with or anything like that. Have you ever been to it? Like, have you been to a Sleepy's trying to buy a mattress? Yes, I have. It's, it's like really, the most really miserable awful. experience in the world. They're like, it's like a used car salesman except worse. And yeah. like, you can't try anything out. And like, we well, can, but they're like, like hover over you and like. They just keep like, ugh, yeah. shoving stuff down your throat, and like the mattresses are terrible. I don't know. Ah, yeah, I once went there because there was one on sale for like one hundred and eighty dollars, and I like went in, and they're like, "Oh, we don't have that." I was like, "No, like it's in the circular." I've like, had right this here. exact like, experience, <laughs> and it's awful. And they were just like, "Well, I guess we can maybe order it for you." I'm like, "Please do that." Like, that seems to be what you're supposed to do. And like, what is a box spring? What the, what the hell is that? Thing? <laughs> I don't get it. I think it's like a Victorian time sort of what? situation. Like before mattresses were like a thing. I don't know. It's just the worst. Sure. The worst. Well, the van, it's got like, it's got a full size bed in it. It's a little bit shorter than full size. It's, but the, the width is full. Um, so pretty much. Say, can you sleep like horizontally or are you kind of diagonalish a little bit? So I'm five nine. The van, if you're five seven or below, the van is perfect for you. Uh, the standing height is five seven. The bed is five seven. So at five nine, I am either you know I don't I rarely sleep at full extension. So I'm, I'm usually a little curled up, or if I'm feeling extra long, I can sleep with a bit of a diagonal and it's good. Okay. Uh, so it's not so bad. That's not too bad. Yeah, we have the Ford Transit XLT or Ford Transit Connect XLT. So it's like a little bit tall. Like mm -hmm. I can almost stand up. Same deal. Like yeah. Five two, and I'm like five three or so. So it's like just just there. Gotcha. And I can stretch out. Well, how tall is Peter? Uh, he's 5'9", mm, so yeah. it was a great purchase for me. Right, right, right. <laughs> but the problem was, I mean, we drove it across the country twice in the last three months, and, like, it's our main transportation, too. So you get this. Like, yeah, the gas yeah. mileage was just such a huge factor when we, like, started thinking about what we were doing with it. and Yeah. So it's sort of our tester van. We sure. Decided, like, we'll use it for, like, a year, see if we can, like, do some camping in it, and if we like the van camping uh -huh. thing, then maybe we'll upgrade to something more this size, but... Yeah, yeah, yeah. For now, we, we move around and stay in hotels and Airbnbs and stuff often enough that it's just not... Yeah, I think one of my favorite thing. small purchases for the van... Are these party lights. Oh my god! To keep it real. <laughs> That's actually amazing. And I finally upgraded the sound system so you can like, you know, get some serious club beats going. Wait, we can get club beats going. Oh man, you that like is... you like that '90s hard house or like some jungle music? All right, we got it. <laughs> and then you can regulate the speed. Look at this crap. Get a video. I don't know if your shutter speed can keep up with this. I don't, I don't think it can. <laughs> Look at this. <laughs> so this is the stuff that makes it. I don't know. Like with outfitting a van, like pretty much all of my decisions were based on like it can't feel camp like camping at all. Yeah. Like everything has to feel really domestic. So. I like, think you've accomplished it. I like the bookshelves. Yeah, I like you got the, some like yeah. There you the go. Photos on the wall. That's it's, a new addition. I got those all printed. It's pretty sweet. Cheap. It looks really like oh. homey and cool and yeah, not not like a van. Not that's a, that's the thing. It can't look like a van. It'll scare all the ladies away if there's if it looks like a van. I mean, I think okay. So I'm gonna ask how how is the lady situation Dude, with the van? Ladies love the van. <laughs> there's there's like a demographic of like. Oh man, this is this is gonna no, this is gonna sound too judgy. <laughs> no, I'm retreating out of this one. 
<laughs> but in general, no, like, if, if it's all, like... I mean, if you're the kind of person that's going to be hanging out with you, totally. you're probably well, the that's kind the of thing. person that's stoked on a van. Exactly. That's, a, like, it's, like, uh, that's, like, uh, online. That's, like, it's like a common question that everyone's, like, yeah, but you never get laid in that thing, which is, like... Like... <laughs> Back it up for us. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Went a little too aggro with that statement. Uh... <laughs> Uh, like, like, oh, okay, so, like, 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 how does it affect your dating life? That's a more... Oh, uh, that's a go. really polite question. I yeah, like there you go. <laughs> um, I don't know, and it's like, it, it, it's like, I don't know, people respond to people who are psyched about stuff, so... Yeah. Um, it's like, if, yeah, if you're living out of a van because you need to, that, well, that kind of sucks. Yeah. Um, but if it's a facilitator for an active lifestyle... Uh, and kind of like a pursuit of uh, your interest, then yeah, people are like generally really receptive to that. They want to hear about it. Uh, and it really boils down to if you're ashamed of it, like people are like going to pick up on that and they're going to, they're going to like think badly about it. But if you're like excited about it and you're answering questions, uh, then yeah, people are psyched. Yeah. And I feel like it's actually kind of almost better for dating because it's sort of like a yes or no, right? Like, sure. Are you into this lifestyle? Totally. Like, and you know pretty well, quickly. You know, it, it, so there's the other half of that coin is like it's been so romanticized now with like social media and stuff that oh like my gosh. people think that they're into the life. Like I don't know, I'm not gonna even define like I don't even know what the lifestyle even means. But like, just like I don't know if that actually is the case anymore. Just because like people are into van dwelling doesn't necessarily mean that like I don't know if it's the same like filter that it could be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Maybe Less... I'm overanalyzing it. I don't know, Maybe, people who... but I don't know. I feel like the van life thing is like, I don't really want to go on a paddling trip. I really want to sit on this hammock next to my van mm -hmm. and like pretend to play a ukulele for some social media pictures. It's true. Which, you admittedly, know, I have a ukulele and a hammock. So I, like... I, I have played a mandolin <laughs> for many a, a van life picture. Uh, that's just what happens. That is, <laughs> it's, it's like a weird balance where like, yeah, I kind of play into that whole thing a little bit. Uh, but at the same time, it's how you live. Yeah, it's all like pretty genuine it's not totally totally you know you actually do have a mandolin i can attest to it it's, it's right there <laughs> i do like the antler yeah the too. antler That's, guitar uh, thing that holds is pretty it in. pretty fantastic i have two more antlers i don't know what to use them for i mean that's an excellent use i wanted to antler. put like a like a coat hanger or something but i can't think of a place where it wouldn't poke my eye out yeah kind of dangerous in the middle of the night and then i got the i put in the hammock hooks recently so you got the one behind you oh yeah i saw and like one over here, it's that's good to go. That's awesome. Yeah. So how many people does this sleep if like so, you're trying? Oh, oh, this is this is my favorite. Uh, so the max right now for occupancy of the van at one point is uh, twenty people, and that was set by the University of Delaware Outing Club. So that's an open invitation for anyone who wants to challenge that record. <laughs> um, Rutgers Cycling held the record at fifteen for a little bit, but. Oh my gosh, behind. you just made me so happy that Rutgers Cycling exists it, to the it, point where they would climb in a van. It, like, it, well, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, it can sleep six. Um, so you got one on the floor, one on the desk, one in the hammock, two in the bed, and then one person can sleep across the, uh, the two front seats if they're small, of uh, oh, okay. a smaller size. So you can lay uh, like, a, uh, a like something across there, mm -hmm. and it's good to go. That's not too bad. So I haven't slept six, but I've tried it out, and mm -hmm. it fits. Uh, the most I've had, I've, I've gone on like two kind of like five-day trips with five people. Okay. Um, and that has been plenty fine. Nice. 
Even with, like, all their gear and stuff? Yeah, it actually hasn't been so bad. Well, I, I, I imagine if it was, like, a, a gear-intensive trip, it would be a kind of a little a bit of a different discussion. But Yeah. Um, so, that that's kind of how I've been, like, getting away with, like, doing all these trips. It's just, like, I load up the van of a ton of people and then split gas, and then it's not so bad. That's um, pretty rad. Yeah, if I had to do it by myself, it would be... You know, pretty pricey. Right? Pretty pricey. <laughs> so At least the price on, of gas yeah. is pretty low. <laughs> All right, so let's let's back off van life mm-hmm. and let's talk about sport for a minute here. Okay, so, sports. What was the first sport you were into? Sure. Like, so, I've known you as a cyclist. But right. But then suddenly I was like, oh, you do other things too. Right, so I started climbing when I was five. Uh, my dad was a, a mountaineer and a sailor. Um, he's from Poland. They, uh, Him and my mom emigrated here about 30 years ago. And um, just by the nature of emigration, you kind of have to give up a lot of your dreams. Um, so it's no longer, you have the resources that you started off with, they came with literally nothing. So it, it was just hardworking, uh, immigrant life for a while. Um, so to a certain extent, um, um, just got out of the border. Excellent. Peter is in Canada. <laughs> Very good. Not Sorry, a fugitive anyway. anymore. Yeah. Uh, so my dad got me into all this stuff, um, and... I remember, like, like when I was growing up, like, I was like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I'm good. Phew, we're good. <laughs> so I remember, like, growing up and, like, going to, like, Eastern Mountain Sports, like, a, like a local chain of stores out here, yeah. and just, like, looking at the guys there and being like, those are the coolest people. <laughs> like, <laughs> I, I want to be like that. And then uh, I started bike riding kind of, like, uh more in- intensely went around when I was 15. Okay. Um, so I got into endurance mountain bike racing, uh, cross country stuff primarily. Um, and I, there was like this like moment when I was like a senior in high school and I was like, I had like just got like, I, I had my first girlfriend and everything and I was like racing bikes and stuff. And I'm like, Man, I made it. <laughs> I'm as cool as those guys who work at EMS. Oh, my God. <laughs> it was like, whoa. Oh that was like the best. <laughs> so that was really exciting. Fantastic. So, yeah, so I, I think uh, I, I'd been climbing for a long time. I'd kind of been exposed to this this mountain culture side of things through my dad, who'd always been involved in it, kind of to a lesser degree uh, since living in, in the U.S. and kind of in my experience of him. But I, there was always these, like, Pictures I saw of him, like, uh, in, in Poland on the High Tatras, which are these these super classic uh, mountains that are really low-key. They're, they're, like, in the shadow of the Alps, but Poland has this history of producing all these incredibly hardened mountaineers that, like, if you look at a list of the first winter ascents of 18,000-meter peaks, or, sorry, 8,000-meter peaks, I'm going to say that again so you have a clean audio bite. <laughs> if you look at a list of... Uh, First ascents uh, in the, during winter uh, for eight thousand meter peaks. It is like all people from Poland. It's like the, awesome. the pride and joy of of, of Poland. <laughs> um, so yeah, I'd see these pictures of him there and sailing um, in, in um, the Baltic Sea and stuff. Uh, so he's kind of a badass. Yeah, totally, totally. So I, I, like, definitely had this kind of like this role model. Uh, and uh, more recently, I, I've been doing a lot more climbing, and I've been talking about like. Uh, really wanted to give uh, El Cap a go. I want to do the nose, and he he goes like, "Yeah, you should do it next year." Uh, like, and he tells me like, when I came here thirty years ago, I looked at it, and he goes, "Maybe not me, but maybe my son." <laughs> oh my God, you have to! I know, no, I have to. <laughs> like next year, I gotta do El Cap. 
Uh, so, so that's, that's on the short list. Um, that's awesome. Right. So I, uh, bikes are really what got me into kind of the greater outdoor world. Um, I worked in bike shops through high school, uh, did that for a while. Um, and yeah, throughout the years kind of picked up a bunch of other stuff. Um, and I, I think of myself generally, no, this is going to sound redundant, generally as a generalist. Uh, <laughs> no, I, th- I think of myself as a generalist when it comes to sports. Um, which is exactly, you know, kind of the point of our podcast, this whole sure. consummate athlete idea, which is why you were one of the people I thought cool. of like, first. Yeah, you'll have to tell me a, b- a bit more about uh, like w- what the idea of the podcast is in a second. Yeah. Um, but Yvonne Chouinard, uh, who founded Patagonia, has this really great quote uh, along the lines of, of being 80% good at something. Exactly. Yeah, so it, it's about going past that 80% requires this like level of specialization uh, that just like doesn't necessarily appeal to him. Uh, which, like, I kind of like, when I read that, I was like, oh, yeah, that's like exactly how I feel about it. So I'm, I'm stoked to just like learn new things and, you know, like, all these little, like, microcultures within the greater outdoor world are, like, you know, they're a little unique and stuff, but, like, they're all essentially the same. It's people yeah. who, are, who, are, who are psyched about being outside and uh, these kind of athletic pursuits um, that are all kind of fulfilling the same thing for everyone. So, I don't know, especially... So, the, the thing that, for me, really ties it all together is photography and video. Right. Um, so, kind of being a generalist, it's great. I get to... I have access to all these different worlds... Um, and photo and video stuff really kind of allows me to get right in there and, and talk to the people who are like doing it on a high level and really, uh, kind of get to soak up the whole thing. Yeah. And I mean, being kind of that generalist and being decent at everything, the 80% at everything. I'm very, that's, I'm very decent. 80% decent. I like it. <laughs> very decent. I'm not good at anything, but I am pretty decent. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that gives you a huge leg up compared to a lot of photographers and videographers that are maybe good at like one specific sport or just aren't, you know, they might be great at what they do, but they're not good at sport in general. So they can't just go from like one shoot to the next and like do paddling one week and then be at an ice climbing shoot the next week and then like running a trail thing the week after to like shoot that. So I feel like you have a huge advantage there. Yeah. Well, so I guess time will tell right now I've been kind of like diversifying my portfolio and and, and getting to work with a bunch of different brands. Um, I think traditionally the the way it's worked on the higher end stuff is like people have been pretty specialized. Mm -hmm. Um, So we'll see, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know. I could see that working. I hope out, so. If anything, if I have any specialty, it's it's kind of weirdly become night photography, like sports at night. Because uh, one of my first like outdoor clients uh, that I ever worked with was a uh, headlamp manufacturer, Princeton Tech, here in New Jersey. Um, and I just ended up doing all these shots uh, at night with headlamps, and it kind of really became my style. Where you're working, you're pretty much you have a blank canvas in terms yeah. of light, so you get to light everything up. Um, and I kind of have this, like, uh, I don't know, this is totally cheesy, but one time on a shoot, I was, like, thinking about it, I'm like, oh, I came here to, to create, not to wait, in <laughs> terms of, like, like in the daylight, you're always waiting for the sun to be somewhere, or, like, make it look pretty, but, like, at night, you get to set up your flashes, you really control the whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I'm psyched on that. <laughs> no, it's awesome, and I mean, that is kind of a weird specialty that sort of can span a whole bunch of sports, too, totally. right? yeah. Like, everything looks cooler at night. It does look cooler at night, seriously. <laughs> like, I'm doing all these kayaking shoots. When you backlight water, you get all these particles everywhere. Ice climbing looks incredible at night. Yeah. It's, it's really, oh, man, that, that's what gets me excited. And more recently, um, my I think, like, 
I've always had this idea of like like mine cha- like growing up I'd like try to Google where like like well, like abandoned mine that I could explore like some Tom Sawyer right. stuff, and recently I like finally found the place I've been looking for my entire life and it's this old abandoned shale mine and it's huge it's not like a rickety little mine shaft that's like has those like wooden support beams and you're just worried <laughs> you're gonna die because you don't have your canary with you or the whole thing's gonna collapse. But it's it's enormous, and I've been so psyched. I, we've been bringing uh, downhill mountain bikes in there, doing like free ride shots in there, uh, just lighting the whole thing up. It's completely surreal. That's so cool. Yeah. Uh, so the and the, the, like the potential for outdoor stuff in there is so limited. I'm like, ugh, really excited about it. <laughs> That's <laughs> awesome. Now I remember seeing some of the photos from that, and it looks insane. Yeah, it's so jealous. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so the consummate athlete thing, to give you, like, the quick, like, 30 mm-hmm. second thing, we have this buddy who lives in Vancouver, he is, uh, like, he's a search and rescue guy, so, like, when someone gets caught, like, lost in the wilderness because mm-hmm. they were mountain biking and broke a leg, like, he's one of the guys that goes in to get them out. Okay. Like, goes in for wildfires. He's, funny enough, he's also Polish, now that I think about it. Maybe That's this right. is just, like, it, a crazy it's a, it's Polish good genes. thing. Yeah, Alex Honnold, also Polish. They're all Polish. Yeah, so he works, like, he's three days on, four days off. Mm-hmm. So he, you know, during those three days, he's doing these insane rescues, and then he gets off, and, like, he can either downhill mountain bike, cross-country mountain bike, enduro, trail run, like, he kite surfs, he, like, can go out dancing and actually be, like, a really great dancer, or he I can do just, like... like to dance. Or he can just, like, walk around town with, like, you know, the dog he's dog-sitting for. So he just can do sort of everything. And, you know, we were joking. We are just like, man, like, I want to be just like him. <laughs> and then we were like, oh, right. Like, we're really specialized because, I mean, Peter's an elite mountain biker. Mm-hmm. And he's actually really good at movement. But still, like, he's definitely on the pointy end of the mountain bike six. So we've been really trying to, like, okay, let's go you know, for a 20-mile hike, let's do a long run. Mm -hmm. Let's, you know, Peter needs to learn how to swim, so we're working on that. Like Peter doesn't know how to swim? He doesn't. Like I mean, he can get across the pool, but, like, it's not good. (laughs) (laughs) No one's happy about it. (laughs) So I have a great time with that, because he's an amazing mountain biker, and I feel like an idiot when we ride together. Sure. (laughs) Yeah, it's been really cool. So, yeah, we're just sort of really into this idea of being this really well-rounded athlete that can pretty much show up for anything like just get invited to you know go yeah rock climb and then do a downhill session and then well that that, know, that gets crazy me crazy hike like, that gets me into trouble sometimes because people will invite me to stuff and like think that i like am better than i am and, I'm just like, <laughs> and i have this bad i like never say no to anything if you invite me to do something i'll just go <laughs> and uh, like more recently i was uh doing like this like this backpacking trip up in the adirondacks and, like, these are all, like, these super fit adventure racer guys. And I'm like, I haven't been fit since high school. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> so they're all, like, joking about how, oh, yeah, we'll just, like, run down, the like, the downhills and stuff. And, like, they're, like, joking and laughing. And I'm kind of, like, nervously laughing along because I'm really scared that they're not actually joking. <laughs> <laughs> but did you handle it? I handle, yeah. I'm totally, yeah. I, I can keep up. And, and, I, and I've, I've, I've learned to, to suffer and enjoy the pain cave. Uh... But I'm definitely not pushing the pack in those kind of scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, between your three main sports, though, cycling, climbing, and paddling, those are really different strength sets that you need for all yeah. three of those. They are different. I think a lot of... Uh, yeah, they are really different. Uh, I think there's a lot of similarities between mountain biking and whitewater. Uh, they're really? Both, they're both momentum-based. Um, kind of how I, like you think about them conceptually... You're like just you know you're traveling point A to point B, um, 
so there's a lot of similar, especially just like kind of techniques, like on a mountain bike, you're like, you know, hucking or wheeling off of like a ledge or something is similar to kind of motion and, and paddling where you're like, you're taking a boof stroke to, to propel yourself. Um, so there are a lot of similarities there. Um, Plus, I guess, picking your line even. Totally. There's a lot of like line management and stuff. I think, and climbing, uh, those are the sports I've really excelled at is like the, these kind of kinetic things. Not that climbing isn't kinetic, it's just a little slower. Mm-hmm. Um so these momentum-based activities that I've always kind of had uh, taken to naturally. Uh, climbing, I've climbed for a long time, uh, and I've never been really good at climbing. <laughs> I, I've been enthusiastic about climbing. I feel like uh, that's better. Sure, yeah. Uh, I, I love to travel for climbing. I love the climbing like community. Um, and of all the sports, like climbing's exploding right now. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Um so, like, the local university here has a climbing team that's just, like, it's blossoming. It's cool to see so many people out and uh, awesome. getting into it. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, a lot, it's a lot more beginner-friendly and democratic than, uh, than biking, which is incredibly cost-prohibitive. Yeah. Um, every university has, like, a climbing wall. It's, like, a dedicated spot on campus that you can do it inside all year. Yeah. Uh, so it's incredibly easy to get into. Whitewater kayaking, high-level whitewater ki- class 5 ki- kayaking is impossible to get into. I was going to say, pretty much impossible. It's like, okay, great, you bought all the gear, which is expensive. It's not as expensive as bikes, because the bike industry is insane. <laughs> yes. But, uh, well, that's actually kind of the cool thing about, this is a side note. In uh, bikes, you have, you know, tiers, of, like, the tiers of bikes are stratified, right? You have your super high endurance, whatevers, um, and then your low-end Sora, Tiagra. Kayaks, across the board, each company just has one model. This yeah. is your downhill bike. This is your uh, dirt yep. jumper. And they all cost $1,000. It's awesome. The pros are paddling the same $1,000 boat that the beginners are paddling, and it just makes life a hell of a lot easier. <laughs> Regardless. You can't blame the gear. Totally. You can't blame the gear. It's great. It's uh, actually kind of a negative for me. I really prefer <laughs> being able to blame my gear. I don't know how much higher flatted. <laughs> oh, I was totally... I was like... Yeah, I was, was going really, to it. I was going to hit that downhill, yeah. but my tire flat. Molly, is that a nail in your pocket? No. <laughs> um... But yeah, getting into whitewater is super hard. Uh, so you have the gear, but then you, you like water only goes downhill. So you have to have <laughs> at least one friend so that you can shuttle the river. Yep. Uh, so then you have to make friends, which is like difficult if you're like socially inept. Uh, but like, okay, but okay, so you can, you can join like a kayaking club. You can get into this this like easier stuff, class two, class three stuff. Um, but breaking into class five, everyone's super secretive. No one wants to take you out because you're a liability. As soon as they bring you into their group, you're responsible for saving their life. They're responsible for saving your life. Yeah. And it's a real danger. Like, uh, on any, like, sizable river, like, even even class three rivers, like, it, like being, like, well-versed in rescue techniques it, within whitewater has been, like, way more prevalent than it has been in other activities. Yeah. Because um, the river doesn't care. Uh, and it's, like, ready to screw you up. Um, That's terrifying. <laughs> totally. So breaking, so breaking into that scene is hard. Uh, like and like, it's just secretive. No yeah. one wants to tell you about stuff. Yeah. Um, and that's where photography has really come in handy. Because as soon as you like, you can like make people look good on the internet. They're like, yeah, you can come along for you're sure. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> they just make sure your GoPro is somehow tied to them. So if you go under, at least the cameras. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, well, I mean, the GoPro thing is another thing that's worth addressing is, um, 
now everyone has the ability to, you know, produce their own media content and stuff, right? Yeah. So it, it's... But it, I mean, out of that, let's just say 99% is garbage. It's, yeah, I mean, totally. Uh, you've got your, you know, your super pros who are like the people in GoPro commercials. Yeah, their stuff is looking great. And they, uh, but it's it really the point of it is to say that it's changed the, the climate of, of being a photographer mm-hmm. in the outdoor uh, world. Um, yeah, everyone's making their own stuff now. So you, re- you have to up your game. Yeah. Uh, and it's really... It's kind of, it's cool. It's a challenge. It, you have to really stress the storytelling aspects of things as opposed to just the visuals. Um, yeah. Because now, you know, having a good camera that takes beautiful pictures is, you know, not to discredit the, the you know, the elements of composition and all this stuff that, like, a pro photographer is going to be good at, um, but it's the storytelling that's hard. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. if you're in the beautiful place and you have the camera, especially if you got, like, some big scenic mountain ranges or whatever, you point that camera in any direction, it's going to look good. Exactly. Um... So, yeah, I, I, I think the challenge is really being a good storyteller. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And, I mean, it's it's exactly the same thing in journalism. And it used to be you could be good at writing, and now you have to be good at writing and social media and, you know, video, to some extent, video and photography, you've got to at least be kind of able to do mm-hmm. just to provide all of that content. And it's it's pretty terrifying and crazy. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a lot to sort of keep up with it. Um, but, okay, so... With all of those climbing, paddling, biking, do you have any kind of training schedule or plan, or is it pretty much... Yeah, I sort of figured. <laughs> I, you know what? Even when I was, like... I was racing Cat 1 and uh, mountain biking for a while. Uh, I remember you in collegiate. <laughs> yeah, and I was, like... Even, like, I don't know. I think... I, I always, like, told myself, like, I should train. Like, if I trained, I'd be pretty good or something. I don't know. I, I just... I, I never made that step, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I remember even within Rutgers, though, like, you know, we'd be out on group rides, and you wouldn't have ridden two months, and you'd come, and you'd still be able to keep up with everyone, so, so well, you were always fine. If, that, if anything, that's always been my ability, is just to, like, just to be able to keep up. That's, like, that's what I want. I want to be able to keep up with the athletes that I'm, uh, like, for, yeah. taking photos of and, and doing video stuff with. Yeah. Um, but I think that's so much better, and I've really started in the last couple of years to shift away from competition and much more into just, like... When I feel like going on a trail run, I go on a trail run. Mm-hmm. When I feel like riding my bike, I ride my bike. And I've been so much happier for it. Sure. Like, yeah, competition is a weird thing. It'll do crazy stuff to you psychologically. Yeah. Uh, and that's not to say that I don't like competition. I had a great time racing bikes. Yeah. I did love it. Um, it's just, yeah. I, I mean, the amount of effort that it takes to be a, like on a competitive level like a legitimately competitive level not just like i mean it's fun to be just like pack fodder in, in the bees or something yeah. that's that's like fun i have a like i like going to races and just like just being in the pack um but to be competitive that's like that's that is like a full-time commitment exactly um and if like at the end of the day you're putting all that effort into it and like even if you're the best it's like like it's Where like you're, is that? yeah you're putting in like a, the the work of like a full-time job it's not paying you like a full-time no. job not even close no that was what i realized with like xterra triathlon i was like i could train for 40 hours a week and i could maybe get good and maybe go pro and what am i doing then like yeah. what, what is my like outcome goal with that it's like oh i might be making five grand a year and maybe get a free bike <laughs> or i could just keep doing my job buy bikes if i need them yeah. and you know yeah. shred and have fun and still do decently. 
Um, okay. So, yeah, I mean, if you love it, then I mean, yeah, that totally, totally makes sense. Like, yeah. like, I'm not discouraging people from being professional athletes. Absolutely not. And a couple of years ago, like, competition was just so in my blood. Like, I loved doing it. Yeah. And now I just, I feel like I've grown out of it. It was a phase in my life that I hope I come back to, to be honest. Totally. But I think yeah, it might I, be done for right now. Yeah, right. That's kind of how I feel. Like, like I was at the Red Hook Crit. Okay. The Red Hook Crit oh was my a gosh. shit show. <laughs> Holy crap. If anyone hasn't seen the video, just just look up Red Hook Crit and you'll... you'll 2016 see. Red Hook Crit. It's horrifying. Oh my gosh. <laughs> my, but, dad, my dad's like, calls me, he's like, that Red Hook Crit you watch is on the news. <laughs> it was like on front page Reddit and stuff. Holy crap. Just the most gruesome, like, oh, crash right so off the rough. bat. Uh, one of the pace motor cars stops. It like just stalls in <laughs> the front of the race. Half the field manages to snake around it, but by the time like the the, the second half gets there and has speed on their fixed gear bikes going they just, for like, them, one guy clips it and then the rest go down like a house of cards. Oh my god! Oh yeah, just jittery thinking about it. Anyway, <laughs> before that happened, and before the 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 crash that happened at the end of the women's race, thirty minutes before that crash, I was there and I was just. I was just, like, so amped on, like, the energy of just, like, oh, like, everyone looks so cool in their spandex. I was like, this is sweet. I love it. I forgot about all this. I was super stoked. So I was like, yeah, I really want to get back into bike racing. Oh, man. Yeah. So I, and then you saw the crash. And then, uh, well, you know, that, that didn't actually, like, a lot of people hate on the whole fixed gear crit uh, thing and liken it to a blood sport, but... I mean, you know, it, it sort of is. It, yeah, but it's a little gluttonous, but I this don't know. weekend has also seen a lot of bike crashes. Like, totally, I have seen. Weekend. Yeah, is Mercury in retrograde? <laughs> it must be, honestly. Like I've seen like ten people I know in the hospital this weekend from races. It's just like ridiculous. So yeah, any kind of bike racing, like you run just totally, as, totally, pretty much any kind of racing, really, like. And I, I will hand it to him. The, the Red Hook Crit has just, like, the coolest vibe. The atmosphere is, like... Oh, my gosh. You're, like, all oh, these guys are so cool. <laughs> it might be making spandex cool again. Exactly. I don't know. <laughs> oh, man. Absolutely. Okay, so back to the... On the topic of kind of extreme sports, what about someone that wants to get into paddling or get into climbing or get into cycling? Where... I mean, especially paddling, because that's such a hard one to get into, sure. obviously. So, um... For paddling, I've actually found Facebook groups. I mean, like, it's 2016. Like, like use the resources that are available to you. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, as soon as you... It's just about... With any of these things, it's about tapping into the community. And as soon as you have people to go with, it totally becomes something different. It's not just about the sport. It's about, you know, everyone else involved and kind of doing it. I don't know. I've always I kind of loved that. Uh, yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, all these things are, like, a little bit, like... They're kind of pointless. Like, climbing a rock? Like, what the hell are you doing, man? <laughs> Like it's it's a it's it's actually kind of a poetic act. Like I say that that this thing, this route up a rock face, has value. Um, so I think a lot of it, like the value that comes from it, is kind of it's it's psychological and it's about the stories that you tell about doing it, uh, which kind of give it that that sense of like yeah, this is like cool and like other people are doing it too and they're psyched about it. So it's about kind of I don't know if you're trying to get into climbing, go to the rock gym. Uh, meet some people. Yeah. Go climbing with them. Uh, Facebook groups are great for paddling. Um, that's really the way to break it, I think. Yeah. I think that's such a good point is that it's not necessarily about the whether you climbed a 5, 10, or, you know, whatever. It's the fact that you climbed one thing, and if you have a cool story to tell about it, it doesn't matter if it was, like, 
the you know easiest wall or easiest sure. climb. Yeah, I mean, I'm kind of a romantic when it comes to any of these kind of totally useless pursuits because <laughs> you have to be. I mean, after a while, you've like you've just been like climbing rocks, which is it's just so stupid. <laughs> like it's so dumb. And, like, if you don't, like, invent this, like, narrative for yourself to, like, justify your actions, like, what the hell are you doing? Yeah. And, I mean, like, I guess on one hand, I'm, like, like tricking myself into believing that these things have value, but, like, I don't know, you look at anything, like, how does anything gain value? It's by telling yourself that it does. And if you surround yourself with people who are also deluded by this same narrative, it becomes great. It's awesome. And, uh, like, people are psyched. Absolutely. And I think as long as you're psyched, I think the big thing is not showing up and feeling like you're an intruder or feeling, well, like, yeah, nervous so, about not being able to do something. So that's, yeah, I mean, like, yeah, so like... Like, you look at, like, people are just starting off in paddling, right? They're, like, they have all these, like, crappy gear or whatever. They're, it's their first time they're, like, wearing a bike helmet or something. Yeah. Uh, and then you get all this nice gear because you're like, yeah, I'm into this. And I'm like, yeah, this is something I want to pursue. I'm going to put some money into it. And then after, like, 15 years of doing it, you look like just the same beater that you looked like before because you don't even care anymore. Yeah. Like, you look at, like, like raft guides, like, uh, like, totally. like on some of like, the big classic rivers in the States. They just, like, look like total bums. <laughs> Wearing the same garbage that you wore when you first started out. I know. I have, like, one final question here. Yeah. We're going to come back to the, the van life, nomad life, adventure living. Sure. For the people that do, that work the 9 to 5, mm -hmm. that are, you know, doing normal life stuff, but, like, you know, are peeking through Instagram and, like, dreaming of doing sure. this. Any advice or any, like, words of wisdom? So a lot of people contact me and they say something along the lines of, like, it's, they have this kind of, like, this grand narrative of, like, I just want to throw this all away, like, this, like, list, like, you know, the modern condition, all this, like, like, it's, and it, for me, it's never really been about, like, rejecting the fact that, like, the world is the way it is. It's 2016, right? Yeah. Like, like get with the program. It's about kind of seeing it for what it is and and realizing that you don't have to play by the rules. Uh, and it's it's about kind of let me let me think of some good language for this. Um, it's like it's not about like rejecting like society or the nine to five. It's about seeing the strings that control the system and, and figuring out how to make it work for you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so ultimately it's not about rejecting, it's about embracing the other part of life. Totally, versus... yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, there's, like, look, I mean, I go back and forth on this all the time. There's, like, there's a really great comfort and stability of working 9 to 5, where you know yeah. that you can leave your work behind, and you can go freaking party the whole weekend, like, go do some sweet epics, like, like you can do, yeah, like, three whole days if you kind of Friday night. Right. Totally, just go do it. Um, and vacation time, totally. paid vacation time. Paid vacation time. And like benefits Days and off. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> That's great, man. <laughs> uh, and I mean, I think like, like it's maybe part of it's also just like a, it's like anything else. Just like indulge that like grand narrative that you tell yourself. Like if, like if you have like a, I mean like I don't know. A lot of people, I guess, like complain like you know like they have a wife and kids and stuff like. That's pretty sweet too. <laughs> like, that is pretty awesome. Yeah, and if yeah. you if you just like tell yourself that that's awesome and like I don't know, I, I guess that's how I've been coasting through a lot of things is just like romanticize anything that's going on. Yeah, I guess yeah, I guess the first step is like romanticize your own life or at least try totally. to and see where you get because you might not actually need the romantic van narrative. You might just sure. need a little more romance in your life. Yeah, not in like a sexy way. No, like, no, totally, uh, totally. Poetic way. Right. <laughs> Awesome. And on that note, we're, we're going to say goodbye. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank pleasure. you so much for having me. Of course.
Thank you so much for tuning in. I hope you liked meeting Adam. I know that I did. It was great seeing him again after quite a few years, uh, more years than I like to admit. Um, anyway, if you want to find Adam Narrot on Instagram, it's radam underscore narrot. Uh, that's R-A-D-A-M underscore G-N-A-W-O-R-T. Uh, we'll have links to that and a bunch of the other stuff that we talked about in the show notes. Uh, you can also find myself on Twitter at, at Molly J. Herford and my co-podcast host, Peter Glassford, at, at Peter Glassford. Uh, thanks for tuning in and stay tuned because we have another awesome guy coming up for our next episode.